Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A word again from Psalm 84. Yes, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather wait at the doorway of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. God gives grace and glory. The Lord does not withhold any good thing from those who walk with integrity. O Lord of armies, how blessed is everyone who trusts in you. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends, they lived so close that they never visited. The people who lived in Southern California where I spent my vicar year got me into Disneyland four times during that year, which was great. One of the happiest places on earth, right? But a lot of them told me, you know, I haven't been there for years. Or some of them, I've never gone. They lived so close that they just decided they'd visit soon enough and always put it off, so they never visited. Same thing when I visited some friends in Las Vegas. They wanted to show me this, the Vegas Strip, but um, the, the children who had lived there their whole lives stood up and complained and said, we've never been to the Vegas Strip, Mom and Dad. How come we can't go to the Vegas Strip? They didn't get to go that time either. But just to see it and experience it was, was interesting. And yet, it's those of us who come from out of town, often, who are the ones actually visiting what the town has to offer. Maybe you, you know that from being in Indy. I was talking to someone about the War Museum down by the Soldiers and Sailors Monument here in Indy. It's free. Some really interesting things in there, some good history. And um, the person said, well, I've never been there. The admission is free. I didn't know that. And I've lived here, you know, 20 years. So close that they never visited. The same thing can happen with church. People can live so close that they never get around to coming. Or another thing, we can get so used to being rostered that we just sort of assume that it's membership, but we, we kind of end up being spectators instead of people who really use this thing called church, this great group that we're a part of. It can happen in our hearts, too. We can be here in body, but not in spirit. We can be so close, but actually far off. If we don't appreciate the benefits of God's grace and glory that are given to us, we're thinking about football or we're thinking about work projects, we're letting other things crowd our minds, just like the people in Jesus' parable this morning who go off to business, who go off to far the farm. Very important things for their means of income, for their lives, but without a thought for the great big banquet invitation of the Son of God. Meanwhile, if we booked a celebrity, some famous person, a new one every week here that people could come and see and meet and speak to and hear words of wisdom from, it wouldn't be half as good as the one who chooses to meet with us every week from Sunday to Sunday in word and sacrament, would it? Some sobering thoughts 
because um, to someone who cannot attend due to illness or distance or worse, man, they would like to be nowhere else but in God's house today. Get a chance to visit some of those people during the week. I know some of you are too, and sending cards and looking out for those individuals. They would love for nothing better than to be here. The psalmist in Psalm 84 also has that longing for a place of belonging. For some reason, he can't make it to the house of the Lord. But as he writes about it, the Lord inspires him to give us three blessings. If you look through Psalm 84, you'll notice three blessings in the Lord's house today. The first one, he meets the needs of our whole person. So again, it's, it's clear that the psalmist couldn't get to this place where he longed to belong. Um, and he is, his heart, his soul, and his flesh were spent, exhausted, looking for this. Did you notice that? It was back in, I believe, the second verse. It says, um, My soul grows weak and even wastes away as I long for the courtyards of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You think about what a whole human being is. And in a lot of ways, we generally talk about body and soul. That dichotomy is true biblically. But sometimes there's advantages of looking at it in terms of body, mind, and soul. Um, and the mind kind of being a bridge between those other two, body and soul. That we need rest. We long to have relief for all those three components of who we are as people. That's how God has crafted us. That's how God has made us. And to be literally in the place where worship is held, where, where the means of grace takes place in a formal way, given in, in a bigger way than any other time in the week, to be in that place is a special thing. It was special for the Old Testament believers. He talks about a little bird nesting overhead near the altars. Even a little bird, even a little birdie has a nest and knows its home and can, can go up to the temple of God, maybe not even knowing how special this place was to the psalmist, but the psalmist can't get there, perhaps because of exile or perhaps because of other reasons. We don't know for sure, but a sin-sick, spiritually weary soul wanders with neither rest nor rest. Never at peace. Never at peace until it arrives at the house of God. And so the first blessing is to be in God's house. Now for one reason, simply to sing our heads off like little birdies in praise to God. That's, that's what he says in the blessing. They are always praising you. And we know that God isn't confined to a place. You know, even Solomon knew that when the great big temple was built for the first time. Solomon's magnificent temple. He said, you're not confined, circumscribed to this one place. This true God isn't like other gods. He isn't bound to a location. You know, like Athena was bound to Athens. Or some of these other Roman Greek gods were bound to their, their circumscribed area. But it's also true that there was one place where God's blessings would be guaranteed, where there was atonement for sin, where there was sacrifice, where there was offering, and where God met his people. And that was first in the tabernacle, again in the temple. And we might say the same thing for church too. We, we know God isn't confined to this place. But do you have any question when you look up at this place, the way that 
our very fine building committee put things together and, and thought through the structure of our church um, not 10 years ago. Is there any question whether we hold Scripture, Holy Communion, and baptism as important, as valuable, as sacred to us? These three pieces up here stand as a testimony for what there is to know about God and what God means to give to us. Laying our sins at His feet, knowing that in this place there's going to be other weak, poor sinners who will gather with us just to be fed, just to be treated by God, our great physician, just to be cured, body, mind, and soul. What a place to be. What a blessing is offered to us because He meets the needs of our whole person and all of this being interconnected, meeting those who need strength. Turns out that's the next blessing, that he puts strength along our way. It says in verse 5, For everyone whose strength is found in the Lord, highways are in their hearts. What changes can happen to those who are close to God that makes them too close to visit? What makes them long for God after all? What happens is when you think you're strong, when you think everything's going well, when you think it's the worldly affairs that really need your attention, that's when you're too close to visit. But what really draws a sinner, what really draws someone who's hungry for God is knowing our own weakness and knowing that we can't be strong all on our own. There's a place where God says, I will give you strength. There's a place where God says, I will help you drink it in. And it's true that the church is defined as God's people who are called out of darkness. But it's also true that if you want to look for the marks of the church, you go and find where word and sacrament is faithfully administered to God's people. That's a more complete understanding of church because God's people can't do it all on our own. God's people, turns out, need God. We need him. And he comes to us with a patch for our souls, not just some band-aid for a bullet wound, but truly something that is, that is strong and meets the needs of spiritual dismay, spiritual discouragement, and lack of strength. Our psalmist calls that the valley of Bacha. I like that word a lot. I always remember in Hebrew that Bacha means to weep because it's very onomatopoetic. It means it sounds like what it means. And if someone's crying, it might sound, at least to the Hebrew mind, like, bacha, 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 bacha. So that's, that's where we get the word valley of bacha. It's not a place. There is no valley of bacha, geographically speaking. Instead, this is, this is a part of our souls. It's a low point. You might call it the valley of the shadow of death, the depths of our souls that that the psalmist cries out to later on in Psalm 130 when they say, Lord, come rescue me. Lord, I need something. This is the valley of Becha. What does it look like for you? Well, life in this sinful condition brings about our weaknesses, shows them to us, don't they? Maybe a close family member stops believing in Jesus. Maybe your, your grandma dies or someone much younger in your family. Maybe you commit a sin that you, you never thought you ever would or even could have the capacity to, to do a sin just that grave. And maybe you're lonely and everyone's cast you out and, and you need someone 
the someone to be there for you. That's the valley of Bacha. And you weep, and maybe it sounds a little bit like Bacha, Bacha, Bacha. But you know what happens in those dry places where there's no water except for your tears? Instead of forcing us to simply drink our tears, God fills it up like pools, like springs, like an early rain after the dry season. This is something they, they understood very well in these times and place where the psalmist was writing. That when the rain came, it was God's blessing, especially when the rain was early. That's technically what the Hebrew word means here. Is an early rain. Wow, I thought this was going to be entirely dry and a sordid moment, but instead God pours out his blessings. Well, you know this. You know that in times of loss, in times of grief, that's when God truly means to be right alongside you, to be your paraclete, your comforter, to throw his arm around you and to say, there's blessing for you too. And I have it. And I give it to you for free. So much so that there's these highways to God in your hearts. That when you go out of this place, when you leave this place, you have God's portable promises for yourself and for others. You have things to say to people who weep, for people who are in the valley of Bacha, for people who mourn and know their spiritual weakness. These promises you can take out of this place and bring to others. There's highways of your heart lead you back to devotional study throughout the week, Lord willing, and bringing your family into devotional study for more opportunities to draw from those early spring pools in the valley of depth and darkness. This is, this is who God is. So your sin has weighed heavily on you. So the world has driven you to tears. You know a clear path to repentance. And you know how quickly Jesus Christ sweeps in with the gospel to remind you of your promises to your whole spirit, soul, and body to be kept blameless until the day he reappears. The one who called you is faithful, and he will do it. He brings strength where and when you need it most. And so our psalmist says they will go from strength to strength. This means they'll be strengthened. But I, I like to think of it as every place you go to from here on out this whole week, You'll go from one place where God gives you strength to another place where God gives you strength to another place where God gives you strength because it is by faith. Oh yes, our third blessing. He withholds nothing from simple trust. We learn in the last verse that the Lord of armies blesses everyone who trusts in him. And it's so good that all you need to do is hang out on the portico or the porch of God's temple. Just think, if you were a doorman in the house of God, if you had the responsibilities that no one wanted to just kind of help usher people in and then just clean up after them and be the custodian in the temple, the psalmist says, there's no better place than that because I have this simple trust that even there God will bless me. Even there I can hear God's promises. Even there I know atonement and I know my Redeemer. I know him whose name is Jesus Christ, who came from Nazareth, and who has ridden not only into this place, but into my heart. Far better than a thousand days anywhere else, let alone the temple, or the, or the, the, the tents of the wicked. A day on the porch of faith, well, that blows away any day anywhere else. I think I've said this in a sermon before. I've often thought that it's, it's odd. No one has 
has invented and developed a religion that's based around riding roller coasters. I mean, think about that. How fun would that church be? You would have instant pleasure and a whole lot of excitement every time you went to worship at your roller coaster. I think it's absolutely insane that there are no, no religions built around that. That's pretty odd, I know, for a Christian pastor to say we've already got a religion that we, that we know is true, and I'm certainly not in, encouraging it, but I do think that has a lot to do with the gods that people erect in their hearts, the secret idolatry of the thing that we hold most dear. We're going for the excitement, the instant pleasure, and the guarantees that for a moment seem so good, seem so much fun, and seem, seem so special and, and exciting. But you know what happens at an amusement park? You know what happens after a little while? You might get tired of the lines. The responsibilities of life set in. Maybe you can't pay for 365 days a year at Disneyland or, or somewhere else. And um, <clears throat> as it turns out, winter comes. Guilt and death would still be there weighing on your heart and we'd still need some kind of shield of protection, some kind of warmth of the sun, some kind of innocence that you can't get simply riding on a roller coaster. That kind of thing just lasts five minutes and then you're done. And that's a long roller coaster ride. Instead, God has something much more to offer than the excitement and pleasure of a roller coaster. He has a shield of protection in his Messiah, his anointed one. This is this is the one who came out of Nazareth with the name Jesus, which means he saves. He went on the roller coaster of human weakness himself. He tented among us. He shouldered the cost of sin. And he raised to life. He healed. He fixed the big bad. And he still does. This is the Christ who coasts into our hearts with his many blessings, with the Holy Spirit there to open our spiritual hands of faith to receive everything God has to give us. First grace then glory. For now the kingdom of grace of Jesus Christ ruling in your hearts as he does in all believers of all time. One day in the kingdom of glory where he promises so much more than we can possibly intimate in this point in time because we don't know what it's like to be without sin. We don't know what it's like to be perfect. We don't know how to achieve righteousness by works. For now, those of us who go from strength to strength will simply trust that was the third blessing, wasn't it? And that's what we heard in our second lesson, that in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ, is found a righteousness that is from God, from faith to faith, sometimes by faith from first to last. None of our own merits, our own additions to what Jesus has done get in there because it's by grace you have been saved, through faith. This isn't from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so no one can boast. And the Father refuses to withhold anything good. He refuses to withhold any good thing to those with a simple trust. Do you know who agrees? St. Paul agrees. He says, Christ has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Ephesians 1, verse 3. Also, in 1 Corinthians 1, you were enriched in him in every way, in all your speaking, and all your knowledge, because the testimony about Christ was established in you. As a result, you do not lack any good thing as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Get a close-up. 
Because this is your God, who is so far away in eternal holiness and glory that he decided he wanted to be close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.